Do you have a tricky work problem that you need to solve? I have a great podcast recommendation for you featuring a pair of expert women. Whether you're just starting your career or a seasoned professional, check out Fixable, a podcast from TED. Hosted by Harvard professor Frances Fry and her wife, leadership coach Ann Morris, the brilliant duo provide honest, actionable advice to help you navigate everything from a gaslighting manager to returning to work after parental leave. They'll leave you feeling empowered and ready to act. Listen to Fixable wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, and welcome to the Bossed Up Podcast, episode 376. I'm your host, Emily Aries, the founder and CEO of Bossed Up. And today we are coming back to the topic of year-end performance reviews for a part two. Today I'm focusing on how to best prepare for those performance reviews when you are the manager in the equation and you're delivering a performance review or leading a performance review with a direct report. So many first-time managers that I work with really struggle to do this well, and I count myself among them, honestly. I've been uh, on my own sort of journey of becoming a boss over the past few years, have really focused on and adapted how I conduct our performance reviews here at Bossed Up based on what I've learned through our own Level Up Leadership Accelerator with the amazing trainer team of professionals Uh, and experts that we work alongside here at Bossed Up. So today I want to present a few key tips to keep in mind if you're a manager preparing for those year-end reviews. First and foremost, and arguably the most important and only real place to start from, is to compare your expectations for that person's performance to the reality of their performance. So first, ask yourself this. How, where, and when have I communicated my expectations clearly for this role? Maybe it was in a job description back in the day when you first hired this person. Perhaps you have a clear series of steps in your onboarding process that outlines here's how we do things. Maybe you've got a standard operating procedure document that you refer to often saying here's how we expect this work to be conducted. Maybe you have something we've talked about previously here on the podcast, a tasks and standards framework like the one we use here at Bossed Up, a spreadsheet detailing with every every single role, what are the tasks that need to be conducted and what are the standard to which each task must be performed? That is, to me, the ultimate level of clarity and detail you can give folks when it comes to clarifying expectations. But ask yourself, where have I communicated those expectations? Where have I documented those expectations? And let me be clear, if you ask yourself this question and your answer is, "Mm, well, I haven't really clearly detailed exactly what I expect from folks in this position, then honestly, this isn't a time for a performance review. It's almost impossible for you to make the most of this performance review conversation. Instead, this review becomes an opportunity to clarify those expectations, not hold people accountable to them. If you want to be in a position to hold your team accountable to delivering on exactly what you expect of people, but you have never articulated exactly what you expect of people, 
then accountability becomes a moot point. You can't really provide that. You can't really hold people's feet to the fire if you haven't clarified what our objectives are and how and by when they need to meet them. So if you found yourself not having set really clear expectations as a leader, go listen to episode number 265 that I did all about how to set clear expectations as a leader about two years ago. I recorded that episode now and it really holds up and is very relevant to this conversation. If you have clearly detailed your expectations, then compare those expectations to the reality of how this person has been performing in their role. Where are they exceeding your expectations? Where are they going above and beyond what's expected of them? And where might they be falling short? Identifying those two different variables within any person's performance is a really great way to set yourself up for success in delivering constructive, helpful, insightful feedback in a performance review. So start by making sure your expectations for their role are super duper clear, and then make sure you're basically using the same measuring stick to determine how well someone's performing in their role, not relying on subjective uh, personality traits. Like, I really like that person, so it doesn't matter that they're failing in this part of their job. (laughs) Or I really don't like that person, even though they are a high achiever and they are exceeding expectations in their role. Try to keep personality out of this. Try to keep your subjective opinion out of this and instead compare their performance to the expectations associated with their role. It should be really black and white. It should be very clear. And if we as biased, imperfect human beings want to curb our own forms of unconscious bias from creeping into performance reviews, then we have to be really disciplined here about using clear rubrics for evaluating people. Because only when we focus on the work product on how they're performing in their role, can we curb those forms of unconscious bias from creeping in and informing how we're evaluating others? So really do your best to be as specific as possible in comparing their performance to the expectations that you set as a leader. That is, in a nutshell, what creating accountability looks like. And it is every manager's job to set clear expectations and then hold our teams accountable to achieving them. If you're not doing either one of those, then you're you're failing, frankly, as a manager to do your job, which is all about clearly establishing your vision, what I need you to do, how we're going to get to where we need to go, and then holding folks accountable to making that vision a reality, to executing on that vision with precision. Not an easy thing to do, by the way. Easier said than done. Nobody teaches us this, but that's what it boils down to. The second tip I would encourage you to think about when preparing for a performance review is to really give your direct report the opportunity to lead the conversation. I think it can be very powerful and frankly, as a manager, much more informative if you allow your direct report to self-evaluate first. So here at Bossed Up, we use a tasks and standards spreadsheet, which details every single task that we expect associated with each role and the standard to which we expect those tasks to be done. So for example, for our sales and marketing director, one of the elements of her job is to uh, clearly set sales goals in coordination with me 
on a quarterly and annual basis, right? So that expectation is very detailed in when we expect it to be done, how we expect it to be done in coordination with me, the CEO. And it's part of her set of responsibilities, one of many that's associated with Kirby's role as sales and marketing director. So when Kirby is coming in for an annual performance review with me, she first goes through every single line item in the series of tasks that's associated with her role and evaluates herself. Is she doing her job? Is she exceeding and going above and beyond just doing her job? Or is this an area that she's neglecting or needs to spend more time focusing on moving forward or might need help or more resources to do effectively? Right? If you give your direct report the opportunity to first evaluate themselves, I feel like you're giving them a framework to bring their own insights to their performance to the table. I think it's really important for us as managers to be genuinely curious about our own direct report's perception of their own work and their own performance. A lot of women I work with are super high achieving and perfectionistic and are their own harshest critics. For example, you know, one of my staff members in her quarterly review was really hard on herself and and sort of critiqued her own performance in ways that I thought was overly harsh. So I said, let's look at the expectations here. Let's compare it to your performance. Certainly some things didn't go the way we planned, but was that because of what you did? No. So let's be really clear about helping your direct reports parse through their own perception of how they performed and compare it to your perception of how they performed. I think in our example, one of our clients um, did not renew a contract that we had originally very much expected them to renew. And once we debriefed with that client, we recognized it had nothing to do with how we performed in our role or you know, whether or not we met our expectations that the client had for that partnership, but rather it had to do with their own sort of budgetary limits changing, their own internal priorities shifting. And we really were frustrated and bummed out and disappointed that we were on the chopping block when it came to where they were spending their DEI dollars. And when one of my staff members kind of absorbed that as a reflection of her own performance, I had to pause and say, no, 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 let's not... Um, internalize or over-internalize every outcome as though it had everything and anything to do with our own performance. So what I think is really important here to take away from that is that if we can be genuinely curious about our own direct report's perception of their work, and then we recognize, wow, I have a wildly different perception of your performance, then the performance review conversation becomes the time to communicate Clearly and candidly, but also with empathy, how is it possible that the two of us are seeing the same thing and perceiving what's happening so very differently, right? So if you're ever navigating a situation where someone thinks they're doing a great job and you think they're doing a terrible job, that is the main focal point that you've got to get to the bottom of. Like genuinely from a place of curiosity and empathy, help me understand how you're perceiving your performance to be exceeding expectations on this component, and I'm perceiving it as not meeting expectations. Like this is the conversation in which you need to get to the bottom of that. So if you want people to really 
feel invested in their own performance and their improvement and their ability to continue to develop their own performance development plan, if you will, then we have to let the direct report own that process, evaluate themselves, clarify where there's room to improve, and inspire them to be intrinsically motivated, right, internally inspired to identify how they want to continue to grow and develop further. So giving people the opportunity to lead that conversation and start with a self-evaluation can be a really powerful framework to bring into that conversation. Now, from there, I think it's every manager's job to coach direct reports up through a performance review with really specific feedback. And there are two frameworks that I want to elaborate upon when it comes to delivering really specific, actionable feedback. The first is something that Michelle King, one of our trainer team members, talks a lot about in our Level Up program. It's called Situation, Action, Outcome, or SAO Feedback. When you are telling someone, hey, direct report, you are not meeting my expectations when it comes to this element of your job. Let's say when it comes to establishing trust and maintaining good rapport with our clients, right? I need you to be really specific about exactly what has happened that made you feel like your direct report is not establishing trust and good rapport. Because just generically saying, hey, you should be nicer to our clients is not very helpful and actionable advice. In fact, would probably just trigger someone's defensiveness. So instead, if you can be SAO-oriented, situation, action, outcome, you can say, okay, here was the situation. Our client came to you two weeks ago with a last-minute request. It was well above and beyond the scope of our agreement. It was, frankly, a ridiculous request, but they were in a real bind. And they came to you because they were turning to you for help and they trusted you. And the action that you took in response to that situation was to blow them off, to disregard their request, to let that email hang in your inbox for a week. Let's say that was the action that you identify that direct report having taken. And the outcome as a result of that action is that that client didn't come to us again when they needed our support. And maybe they even, you know, have decided to move their business elsewhere. They felt uh, really frustrated and they became more antagonistic in how they're dealing with us now. Let's say the opposite happened. If you are dealing with a direct report, you're giving them feedback about how well they've established trust and good rapport with their clients. You could say, here's specifically how you've done that. When your client came to you with this very specific situation a couple weeks ago, they made a crazy last-minute request. You said, even though it's above and beyond what's expected of me, even though I had a lot on my plate, I reprioritized my workload. I might have even have stayed a little later that night to get this done for them. I turned around that request in 24 hours, and the outcome is that this client is so enthusiastic, so trusts us, and so 
genuinely appreciates our support that they've already started sending referrals our way. That's the outcome of the action that you took. When you coach people up with those specific details, you're telling your direct reports, here's what I want you to do more of, and here's what I want you to do less of. And by being that specific, you're enabling them to understand that it's not just praise, it's not just fluffy, you know, good job, pat on the head kind of nonsense. And it's also not a critique that's generic advice, like I want you to be nicer to our clients. You're being really specific about how you want to see them replicate their success or adapt. And that brings me to my second way. I want you to think about coaching direct reports with specific feedback. All good feedback is either redirecting or reinforcing. So the example we used earlier I'm redirecting their feedback by saying, here's the situation, the action you took, and the outcome you experienced. That action was letting their request just sit in your inbox for three business days and languish there without a response. That is something I want you to redirect to me next time. Instead of letting it sit there, help me understand what was going through your mind when you weren't responding to them for three business days. Was it that you weren't sure how to respond? Was it that you had to say no, but you weren't quite comfortable saying no to this VIP client? Was it that you needed help and support in navigating the sticky situation because it's something you hadn't come across before? Like whatever the problem is, I need you to do X next time. So redirecting their action from the action they took to the action you want them to take next time. Reinforcing feedback is just as important. If you're to say to someone, hey, I really love how you handled that situation last week, then you're frankly, leaving it up to them to interpret what the hell you liked about it, right? I liked how you shook their hand when they walked in our office, or I like how you greeted them by name, uh, even though you hadn't met them in person before. No, that's not what I liked about it. I liked that you solved their problem in real time by staying a little late on Monday when we needed you to turn around this really intense request for them in 24 hours. That's what I liked about it. So I want to reinforce that whenever you have the capacity to provide rapid response support to our clients, even if it means reshuffling your priorities and delaying other work, I want you to do that because when we can really provide that rapid response help, our clients are left with a really strong impression about how valuable we are to their organization. So being redirecting, I want you to do X instead of Y next time, or reinforcing, I loved how you did X. Can you keep doing that and do that again with even more of our business dealings? That would be great. That kind of clarity in coaching your reports through performance reviews can be really, really helpful. And if you want to learn more about how to give really great feedback or even solicit the kind of specific feedback you might need to succeed, way back in the early days of the Bossed Up podcast, episode 24, I interviewed Sheila Heen, author of the book, Thanks for the Feedback. She is uh, part of the program on negotiation at Harvard. She's a Harvard professor. She's awesome. We go into lots more detail on how to get good feedback um, there. So definitely check out episode 24. Two final points I want to leave you with when it comes to preparing for a performance review. Don't forget to communicate your appreciation. Performance reviews are nerve-wracking. No matter how great your relationship is with your direct reports or your team or your boss, 
they just they have an air of formality to them that makes people feel like they're on the chopping block. So even though it's a really helpful and important part of every manager's job to coach your direct reports and help them identify and close the skills gaps that might be preventing them from succeeding, don't forget to cheer them on for the ways that they are already succeeding. I was shocked to see that uh, Great Place to Work had analyzed over 1.7 million employee survey responses and found 65% of employees say they have not received any form of recognition for good work in the last year. So the vast majority of us out here are busting our butts every day and truly feel like they are not appreciated. And when people are feeling appreciated, when they are recognized effectively for what is going well, what they are doing well, even if it's as simple as a thank you here and there, then those employees are four times as likely to be actively engaged in their work, five times as likely to see a growth path for themselves at their organization, and they're five times as likely to be connected to the culture and the workplace. This is according to the latest data from Gallup and Work Human. So if you want to, and frankly, in this economy, we have to worry about making sure that employees are engaged and they're sticking around and they're not getting ready to all quietly quit or very loudly quit on you, you have got to remember to appreciate And so however you say thank you, like whatever your appreciation language might be, whatever feels genuine for you and authentic to you, make sure that in your performance review conversation, you are not just identifying what's not going well, where they need to develop their skills further, but thank them for the ways that they are already going above and beyond or for their commitment or for their willingness to work with you on this. This is just a hard time, right? Like we've been through so much change already as a culture in the past few years that burnout is on the rise, change management and just agility is exhausting. And so expressing your appreciation can go a really long way for folks. So don't forget to do that. And finally, my fifth tip for you to keep in mind when preparing for a performance review for your direct reports is to be ready to share candidly what advancement looks like. Okay, I coach all of my folks all the time, including in part one of this episode series, to make sure that you're going into a performance review ready to advocate for yourself. Get ready to use this as an opportunity to say, here's why I should be given an opportunity to advance. Here's why I should be given a raise. Here's why I'm ready for that promotion. Whatever it is that you want more of or frankly less of in your workplace and in your role, a performance review is a time to go in with an ask. So if you're a manager, get ready to be asked for something and get ready to clarify what advancement possibilities exist. Because if you can't share with your direct reports what a pathway to advancement and growth, promotion, or more pay looks like, then they're going to find it elsewhere. Bottom line, if you can't tell them what advancement looks like for them within your organization, get ready because they're going to go seeking that pathway elsewhere. 
So what does that mean for us? It means that if you're operating in some huge, opaque organization, feels like the wild, wild west, and you have no idea how anybody can get a promotion, you got to go find out. You need to ask your manager, your director, your C-suite, what will it take to get raises for my team? What is it going to take to get more headcount on my team because they're completely overburdened? How can I advocate for my direct reports? Because as a middle manager, that's my job, right? So being ready to advocate for your team or at least level with folks who are reporting to you on what you can tell them, what you can do for them. Even if there's a lot of uncertainty, you can always say, look, I don't know what the future holds, but I can pledge to you that before this month is out, I'm going to have a conversation with my director to try to find out more and really to try to make the business case for why you are ready for and deserving of this race. And everybody's budget calendar looks different. I get it. There's a lot of bureaucracy in big organizations to navigate. But frankly, as a people manager, that's part of your job is navigating bureaucracy for your people. So if you can't be explicit in saying, here's the gap I need you to close in order for you to get a raise, or here's what I need you to work on further in order to get you promotion ready. So if you can't tell your direct report, here's the skills gap I need you to close to be ready for promotion three months from now, six months from now, 12 months from now, you've got to figure that out. Like that is part of your job as a people manager is helping paint a clear picture for folks around what the future potential for growth looks like in your organization. And I get that that's not easy to do. Look, I'm a small business owner. I have to make all of this up. Like I am constantly making this up on my own and it is hard to clarify those pathways. But it's part of the job, right? If you are someone's boss, you hold so much power and responsibility over how that individual experiences not just their work life, but their entire life. So take that responsibility seriously, right? I I feel like almost a sacred obligation to making sure that if people are reporting to me as part of their daily tasks and part of being good at their job means making me happy, it is my job to meet them halfway, right? And it's my job to make sure I'm providing clarity and cover and a clear pathway to growth for those folks too. So if that sounds like too much work for you, don't be a people manager. (laughs) Like I get it. It's not easy, but it's also not for everybody. So if you want to be good at this, like if, if you want to grow your craft in people management, give your direct reports the opportunity to do the same by clarifying what working on their craft looks like, okay? I'm going to get off my soapbox now and bring this podcast home, but I, I just, I do feel really strongly that individual people managers are the glue that holds every organization together, and never have we been more instrumental in like the world's experience of work than we are right now. And a lot of people hate work and a lot of people hate their boss and it doesn't have to be like that, right? So if we take the time to advocate for what we need to be successful and sustainable and what our teams need to be successful and sustainable, then we can do the job of being someone's boss really well. 
And with that, I want to remind us all that no matter how well you prepare for a performance review, if this conversation is only happening once a year, then it's probably not happening often enough. Irene has shared many times now with our clients and a lot of our programs here at Bossed Up that before her time here, she would have annual reviews in her past employers that made her cry. They felt so high stakes, so high pressure, so nerve-wracking that her sort of emotions were just all over the place going into these high-stakes meetings. Any little bit of constructive feedback would leave her feeling like totally destroyed and would leave her feeling really emotionally triggered because she cares deeply about doing a good job. Here at Bossed Up, we have performance review conversations every two weeks. And because that feedback loop is so frequent and so baked into what we do here, it doesn't feel so high stakes. We've created a culture that has normalized giving and receiving feedback. I'd be curious to hear from you if you're someone's manager going into performance review season, how are you approaching this? Especially for those of you in virtual workplaces, I think something about the hybrid or virtual remote work trend has made giving feedback feel really, I don't know, impersonal and kind of scary sometimes to do for both sides of the equation, giving feedback and receiving feedback. I'm really curious to hear how are you preparing for it? And if you have a boss you absolutely love, who you respect, who you admire, whose leadership you find inspiring, what have they done to make you earn that you know, to earn that inspiration, to make you admire them so. And, and how do they handle the performance review conversation in a way that feels both like they're coaching you to be the best you can possibly be, to grow your craft, right, to help coach you up in the areas you need coaching, but also to make you feel appreciated. This is a time where I think that is so, so important, and it's such a tricky balance to strike. I'd really be curious to hear what has worked best for you. So head on over to bossedup.org slash episode 376 to get all of today's show notes and hyperlinks to all the related resources I've mentioned, as well as a fully written out version of this podcast so that you can share this with the folks in your world who might need to hear it. <laughs> and then make sure to keep the conversation going in our Bossed Up Courage community, in our LinkedIn group. I'd love to hear from you. Until next time, let's keep bossing through our end of year performance reviews with purpose and together let's lift as we climb.